Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. I'm Martin Thompson. Today, I'm lucky enough to have two guests from the world of software asset management today. I have Mark Sales from Vinci Construction. Hello, Mark. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. And we also have Rory Canavan, who's the CEO of Sam Charter. How are you doing, Roy? I'm very well, Martin, and yourself? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Today, we're very pleased to have Mark, who's a software asset manager from Vinci Construction today. I was uh, lucky enough to meet Mark at a SAM networking event that's held in London by the BCS fairly regularly. And I uh, collared Mark and managed to convince him to come onto the podcast. So thank you for that, Mark. And I'm just keen to pick your brains and uh, you know hear about your views of SAM and your journey with software asset management. So perhaps if we could start, how did you, if we could go way back when, how did you actually get started in IT, first of all? Right. Uh, I got started in IT. I used to, uh, I was in the Royal Navy for a while and uh, it was, it, well, I did radar, so IT was a natural progression for me. So I went into the software support side. Uh, after a while, I, I got asked or fell into software asset management uh, uh, purely because I had a passion about people throwing away software. And we went through a stage where some software was, you know, just thrown away in the CD cases. Uh, and I thought that was wrong. And that's how I got started. So then I uh, started up a SAM project within the company. And how, how did the, how did you mention that you were in uh, support and IT and then went over to SAM? How, how did that happen? Were you, did you jump or were you pushed? No, I, I was, they realized I had a passion for software because I was against uh, the company throwing away software at the time. And I was asked if I wanted to take it on. So I, I was, I was directed to that, that uh, software asset management, but I jumped in. Okay, cool. So it, it was a bit of both. And before you started, what did things look like? What, what was the lie of the land at that time? We were bar every time somebody wanted a piece of software, we were just buying. So there was no control over, you know, how many we were buying, who's got it, or or anything. It was just if somebody wanted something, it was brought. Whether it was being used or not afterwards, we we don't know. So there was no control. We were probably over licensed because we just brought and brought and brought. So that's that's where I that's where I came in. So I I now control it also. But when I first started, obviously I didn't. I was asked to do it, and I hadn't. I didn't have a clue, to be honest, on how to progress with it. So the first thing I did was to book myself on an ETL software asset management course. So it was the same essentials. I then did that course, uh, passed the exam, and then I had a basis to which to go on. Since then, I've done my uh, software asset management MCPs. I've done uh, the licensing MCPs and, and then followed by Prince 2. And I'm just now on a SCCM 2012 project. So I've, uh, I've done the course for that and exam at the end of the month. So cool. the, more, the more I've gone into it, the more I want to get into it. So it's been a, a steady progression. For those that are not familiar with the Sam Essentials course that you, right. you, yeah, you yeah. took, what, oh, what, yeah, what, yeah. Um, 
Could you give a quick intro to that? What what does that involve, and would you yeah. recommend going on that course? I I would recommend anyone starting in the uh, in the yeah with Sam is to go on the ITIL uh, Sam Essentials course. It starts with uh, everything from the build up of uh, software asset management to the uh, processes of software asset management. It tells you the pros and the cons on how to do yeah software asset management. So it's a basis to start your asset management program. It was, a, it was probably five or six years ago since I did the course, but from then that's been my development, my grounding for software asset management. So everything I've taken has been from that course. That's kind of music to my ears, uh, Mark, I have to say, because yeah. uh, uh, I've literally just finished teaching a course yesterday and it was, a, it was the ISEP Sam Essentials course. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have I have observations around it. I mean, one one thing that I think that's worth mentioning is that it is, um, it does try and correlate SAM to ITIL, and yeah. it it its perspective is I think based on the fact that you know SAM might limp along without ITIL. I think that's an undercurrent. Whereas in reality, SAM can stand up in its own right in this day and age. Oh, it can. It's, it can stand up, you know, tall in in this day and age. And uh, I don't I don't think you need to have a ITIL compliant office to, to do you know, to do the SAM ITIL course. No. It can stand up as its own own person. So if you've got an ITIL back you know, company background, then then the SAM is a progression into that. But it can stand up on its own. It doesn't need all the rest. Yeah. To, to yeah, absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. So you you started out you took on the SAM challenge, you uh, Put yourself on the Sam Essentials course, yeah. And and then what? 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 How did you start? And how did you start building your Sam practice? Right. What? I, the first thing I needed to do was to, uh, well, was to get myself a list of every every piece of software that we purchased. So, be, being as we didn't have some of the, the uh, actual, you know, hardware discs. And this is going back a while when the serial number used to be on the disc. I started off with a spreadsheet with the vendor's name, the license number, and everything like that from our procurement process, uh, which was which was difficult on its own because we changed uh, vendors a couple of times, where you know where we purchased our software from, and probably Lars a few times as well. So it was going through all them records to get an understanding on what we had. That was probably the most time-consuming part. Was yeah, trying to find out what we had, where we brought it from, serial numbers and amounts. And then once I've got that far, I could then start to uh, see, see who's got what and how they're using it. Could you give us an idea of your the sort of environment that you're managing? So you're a construction company. And what, what's construction the sort of companies? We've got three thousand users through the UK, uh, although. We are Vinci Worldwide, uh, Vinci UK. I just look after the UK sector for, for all the software. So we, we have about 3,000 users within, well, it's just under 3,000 users within the Vinci UK-wide. So from then, then it was just seeing who's got what, how they're using it, are they still using it, what versions they're on, and do they need it? And we, we went from there. So the first, we did start. We started off with discovery tools. Without without a discovery tool, I probably would not have found out what was on all the machines. We've gone through a few discovery tools since, and now we're on to uh, SCCM 2012. 
Sure. And and I maybe I'm uh, stereotyping and uh, generalizing here, but I, I imagine construction companies are quite um, dynamic in that you will build something or, you know, you, you're building a bridge, you have some sort of engineering project which will yeah. require resources and then they all get taken away when the project finishes and you move somewhere else. Yeah, the way we do it, all our, all the people that have laptops, they, they obviously, that is their laptop and they do move projects. We use core core uh, software throughout the uh, the group so it's reusable when somebody leaves that project if they don't need it anymore so we it's the same it's the same software throughout so it's easy to manage so they don't like one project can't come and say oh we need this and that <clears throat> that we we've, we've never used before unless the uh, the client wants to use that particular piece of software and and mark can i can i ask i um, i've had minor experience working for a, a, a construction company also, um, yeah. albeit in a consultative capacity for a very short period of time. You, you mentioned that um, people and the software move from one project to the next. Yeah. Have you ever been in that situation where you've had to novate licenses, so projects are deemed so big and they're exactly, they're, they, they fall into that bracket of, say, joint ventures? Yeah. We, we as a construction company... <laughs> The way it's moving now, there are a lot of joint ventures, so mm-hmm. there will be a head. There will be a head in charge of that. When that when that does happen, they either use the clients or the you know the main uh, project leader. They use their equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we don't get involved with then their, this software on that machine. Uh, it's only if we're the head head leaders of the project that we then do the software. So you've got you went through your purchase records and then you went to inventory and discovery tools and you mentioned yeah. that you had several different tools and now that you're on SECM. Uh, one of the things that struck me about our conversation when we met at the BCS is that you said that you didn't have a you did everything within SECM. And yeah. I, I see when I've speaking to other people about SECM, they said that it's a good for a configuration point of view, but it's it's not a great SAM tool because it's too there's too much. It's like a fire hose of data. So what, there, there, I, is, there is a fire hose of data in there, but so far everything I've been keeping is I've been on spreadsheets, and I'm still keeping up the spreadsheets at the moment. I think after a while, once once I've got everything in place, it's just then a matter of keeping up to date. So from from now on, I still keep my spreadsheets, and I know where what everything is, but, and I use uh, SCCM as a tool to audit uh, the machines now rather than using it as a tool for complete software compliance. Uh, so I know what's being used out there and what isn't. Yeah. So I manage it that way without having the, having the tool. You know, there are other tools out there that can, I can just go into a dashboard and it will say I'm using X amount on software A uh, without giving away you know, vendors' names. Uh, I, I can I can do that via my spreadsheets and analysing SCCM. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that the people that are starting out themselves and they're just trying to get to grips with things, so that perhaps yeah. they they've if they follow your path, they'll collect their procurement records, they'll do the inventory. Then how did you go about starting to marry these two sets of data together? Obviously using a spreadsheet, but where do you even start with that challenge? Right. Where where I started, I had my I. It was all done with spreadsheets to start with, and I had my list of numbers and serial numbers in one column, and then I went through 
a software tool to search our network for the products. I then married them up with the total number. So if I had 100 I know, software A licenses, I would marry up the 100 users. Sometimes, well, the majority of the time, we were over-licensed. And then some of the people that were using it weren't actually using it at all. So as we upgraded to the next project or the next version, then I could cut the numbers and then we were started to save money that way. And also now I just, as, as people leave the company, I get to know uh, HR send a lever's request through. I look at the lever, find his machine and remove him from that software. So it's easy, easy to manage. Once you've, once you've got everything in place and you've done all the hard work, it becomes easier to manage who's got what and who hasn't got it. So it's all about the hard work you put in to start with. If you don't put that hard work in, then, then the life isn't going to get a little bit easier. Also, it helps with software support agreements as well. We cut down on our support agreements because then we weren't using the software in the end to marry up with the, soft, with the support agreements. So we actually saved money on, on the support agreements as well. So it was, a, it was an all-win, actually, for cost-effectiveness as well. So do you do you keep track of these wins and these because presumably you, if you if you're over licensed then you you can and you're on top of things then you can accrue some stock can't you you can accrue some surplus we, we license can, we can do and one one of the big problems we had as well when we were buying the licenses we weren't taking advantage of our main group discounts once we found out that out as well we would we could actually do a better agreement with the vendors because now we were in a really high discount bracket as well. So every, every, once, once you found out what we all had, that's not just the licensing, that's the agreements, the vendor discounts, we could, they were in a better, yeah, better position. Mark, I, I, I have another question for you as yeah. well. I mean, I, I can only imagine you coming into this organization. There must have been something of a culture change then when you're starting to set about with your goals and ambitions and trying to put controls and measures in place. Did you come across any particular instances or any particular departments that were just rallying against what it was you were trying to achieve? When, when, it, come, when it came to, uh, I think the main thing is when it came from removal of licenses, departments, you know, people thought they owned the software themselves. I think that was our main drawback. People think they own it. That, that was probably the main culture shock was it, coming, it being removed. I then made a decision not to let them know if they weren't using it. I would just mm -hmm. remove it. And I think that was the best way to go. What they don't know, if they weren't using it, they didn't know. So I, I actually found out the best way was when I remove something, don't, let them, don't tell them. <laughs> it was a culture, there was a big, yeah, it is a big culture change. So, suddenly you've gone from having anything you wanted down to there's controls in line and you couldn't have everything you wanted without going through you know the proper channels but now now everyone's everyone's brought into it so it's it's paid off in the end but you do you do go through some culture shocks but it's people do then get used it's like life you get used to something it's the norm yeah yeah when as soon as it changes then people panic and they think oh this is all different and people don't like change but once it's the norm people go along with it and then as people leave or come in they join that culture so, because it's part of the Vinci, Vinci way. So, that that is that's how I went to went about it.
And presumably you're using SCCM to do this removal, are you? Yeah, that was another, that, uh, this year that was another thing I had to start learning was uh, deployments through SCCM. And so I deploy and remove through SCCM. So one of the other things I've heard about SCCM, uh, a common complaint is that, again, a lot of people are using it for deployment, but when you switch on the usage for ACCM, the sort of, sometimes the lights can go dim and the network uh, struggles a bit. It's it's not it's it's not intuitive in terms of software usage. So, what's your views on that? I think if you if you did it, it's all, I think it all depends on the time you allow for non-usage. Also, I think a problem would be is if a laptop didn't log in for a while and it's not in, it's not being monitored. But that that could be the case with any other tool. But yeah, metering can be a bit bit uh, sluggish with it, but it does what we want at the moment. But uh, as we've only had it, you know, for a short amount of time, I haven't got through the the full pros and cons of using it. So, uh, Mark, I have to ask as well. You mentioned that yep. your 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 IT estate is approximately three thousand in size, and you look yep. after the UK. Um, is it? Is it just yourself? Are you are you the acceptable face of Sam in the organisation? I, I I am the acceptable face uh, of Sam in the organisation. Uh, I'm the main mail phone up for anything, and I am a department of one. Right. But then I have got the help of the uh, management team as well. So. So I was going to ask, what's what sort of support have you had? What how is Sam viewed within IT and within the company? Uh, Sam Sam as uh, when it started off. Uh, Sam was seen as a, you know, in the background. Uh, now it's one of, uh, now it's near enough standing in one of the foregrounds. So it has, it has improved the way we do things, and, pe- and people are listening to Sam now. So, which is, which is good. So yes, it did. It's like anything new. It started off in the background, but as people realised the importance of Sam, it's come to the foreground more. And so many software asset management folks out there are struggling with some complex license models and with virtualization and bring your own device and all sorts of other new technology yeah. curveballs that are thrown at us. Maybe you don't want to delve into specific software publishers and spe- specific details, but what's what's uh, what are your main concerns at the moment? What are you having? My, my, my main concerns of... Uh some some vendors, their licensing laws are becoming a lot harder to understand, and they they are bringing more licensing rules every new product. Uh, to without to not mention names, that I think I think all agreements need to be uh, simplified. It is it is making it harder. But then you've got the support if you need of your of your law, which hopefully understands a lot more <laughs> a lot more than you do. And is your remit primarily the the bulk of your work? Is it um, desktops or data center? What 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 takes up most of your time? Uh, it, it, it's uh, my what takes up the bulk of my time is mainly laptops, desktops. So it's more de- more desktops. Okay. We we run enterprise agreements on everything else, so it's it is mainly desktops and uh, laptops. Okay. And since we have a process geek on the call in the in the face of Rory. <laughs> Uh, um, could you tell us a bit about the the sort of processes and how they're how you govern whether they're work being followed and and uh, making make you know providing value? The processes because I am a, a mainly a team of one. I keep I'm the processes are with me, so I'm I I'm I'm yeah I'm one for processes. 
I think if anyone wants to follow the processes, the ITIL, uh, yeah, is is the way to go, and it's the way I followed. Okay, and um, so we, as uh, at the time of this recording, uh, we we've this week we've just published a salary survey on the ITAM review, and uh, part of that was looking at reporting lines and sort of where ITAM and SAM sit within IT. And one of the things that we've noticed is there's a growing trend towards service management. So actually yeah. embedding ITAM in the service management lifecycle rather than trying to clear up the mess afterwards. Is that something that happens at Vinci? I mean, is if I request a new piece of software, for example, does that go through the service desk and then on to you? How, do, how does that work? It does. We uh, do follow an ITIL yeah, process. So we, we do have, it all comes through the service desk, then from the service desk, it then follows its its paper trail. If it's software, it goes to procurement first for audit trail. It then comes to me. Uh, if I've got spare licenses, that's fine. If we, if I haven't, it goes off back to procurement. So there is, there we do, we do hold a paper trail and follow the ETL way. We also have a process manager who's in charge of, of all ETL. But they're the, he's the one that then produces all the documents, the forms, uh, and everything. I'm the, and I'm the one that produces the software asset management side. And and do you see, uh, Mark? And I'm quite specific about Vinci here. Do you see software asset management serving perhaps other elements of IT as well? Yeah, we do. We use it for hardware. So we we use in obviously uh, SCCM now for hardware audits, which which. Uh, which comes into it. I, I sometimes do do the old the hardware audits as well, so we know exactly what we got out there. But it also then goes in line with the uh, with the software audits. So as a hardware is uh, yeah put to sleep, then they, obviously the software gets removed and it gets reused. So it, the hardware and the software do go in line with each other in inventory so sure. I, I was thinking more around the you know conceptually. So things like. Um, say business continuity management or disaster recovery or information security have you got to that point where you're you're trying to feed the good work that you do into those elements of it yeah we we do we uh we are we are with security as well obviously we we need that we uh, we hold the iso award for our security so uh that's a big major part of us also that's what helps win winners work so although we've got all these processes, it, it's what it, it's what brings brings us work in as well. So with with all the processes comes the work because people see that you're actually doing that the company is doing its processes correctly. So if you're doing your SAM, they know that your software is being looked after and, and, and things like that. So well, actually, one thing that I wouldn't mind asking Mark actually is what's what's his vision for SAM in the company going forward. Where he sees Sam going, and, um, and and perhaps what he might have his eye on in the future. Maybe what I do have my eye on in the future is the uh, development of the software tools. At the moment, I think lot a lot of the tools are either too complicated to learn, or they rely on you knowing, say, SQL to bring in reports that are of any use apart from the standard reports. I think I think they need to be made easier not everyone that's going into software asset management will know sql they don't they don't cut they can't maybe come from a different angle into software asset management and i think some of the tools could be made easier 
or lose some of their functionality to improve the good parts <laughs> of the tool. Are we uh, are we naming names? Is there anything? Uh, in, in no, we're not. We're not. We're not naming names. But I think that's. I think that's a general on all t on most tools that they're either too complicated or they're not giving everything that you need, you know, within an eye's view. Because some of them are complicated to get to, to get to grips with. It's, it's, a, it's uh, a good point because um, the we're up to the um, BCS configuration management um, conference this week, and on one of the breakout sessions, we discussed the sort of different layers of SAM uh, jobs. So you have the inventory and configuration and technical side of things you have yeah. the the licensing people that might not get anywhere near a technical tool but know licensing very well you have the process people you have the business people and not everyone is a sql and boolean query type person are they no not every company has the you know to have all these departments in their software asset management team so uh -huh. if it's a small team or even a team of one you you're not going to know everything. I know it's nice to learn everything, but you haven't sometimes got the time to learn everything. I th I th it's it's an interesting point you make there, Mark. About you know perhaps a closer alignment to Whittle and uh, Martin alluded to it with the the there seems to be a I don't know a gravitation between service management and software asset management kicking in yeah. now, and I think a lot of this is born through the uh, the success of ServiceNow sort of taking on the service management space and and just reaching out ever wider. You see people now say, well, this is we need to ride the coattails of this. We need to jump on the bandwagon of the success of ServiceNow and service management generally. And so the likes, I know I've seen articles recently out of Flexera that have talked about Sam supporting ITSM. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's vice versa as well. There's scope for ITSM to support SAM. So, and I think it was great to hear you mention as well. Um, you, t you talked about um, uh, providing data from a service management perspective to support and maintenance data and yeah. a decision whether to, to, to go forward with those contracts. That's right. I think tools are, tools are a main, yeah. If you haven't got the tools, you, I think you can, doesn't matter... All the wood in the world, if you're on top of it with the right tools, they do help you. Uh, but it's getting the most from them tools. Uh, some, some of them you need a degree in rocket science <laughs> to under, understand where they're going to. And others are too basic. I think there needs to be something in, yeah, in between the two. Maybe they should actually talk to some uh, sound people. <laughs> rather than just go and say, yeah, we need to put that in, that in, that in. I think they should maybe have a discussion table on what people want in these tools rather than just say, I've got this idea without doing their market research or... Well, let's hope uh, some tool manufacturers are listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for your time, Mark. I found that very interesting. Just to wrap things up, could you share, if you were to start on this journey again or if if you wanted to share your experience with somebody who's just about to start the same journey as you starting in town how, how would you do things differently or what would you recommend that they do uh when, when starting out right i i think the i think the best the, the best thing that i did was to go on a software asset management course uh whether it's the itil one uh, or or another course i think it's important to go on one uh, obviously, when you if you go onto the MCP side, I don't think Microsoft 
even do a course. It's self-learning. I think self-learning is fine, but if you go on a course, you're then with other people in the same situation. You can discuss ways, especially with the uh, with the course tutor as well. I think you get more from doing a course rather than you do on an online learning. Not that I'm sh- I've got anything against online learning, but I think it's better to go on a course. From that course, you can then you realise how how it should be done and the downsides and the pitfalls, the pros, the cons. I think it's important to do to do a course to start with. Uh, then I think it's just a lot of hard work to try and get there and then you've got to stay there but you can't you can't say oh no we're there now (laughs) it all stops or relax or relax you need to you need to keep on top of it you need to go uh to seminars on sam find out what's coming up new how and, and you you can learn from them as well people have done things that you think oh how did they do that and the more you meet people the more you can find out, well, that's, that's a good idea. And I, I think it's speaking to other SAM people, going on seminars, doing the right courses. I think that's, that's the way to go. Okay, great. Well, thank yeah. you very much for your time, gentlemen, and uh, look forward to speaking to you next time. Okay. I'll see All you right. next time. Okay, then. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Martin. Take care. Bye.